Hello and welcome to the Why Is It So Good podcast. Today, we will be talking about the 1999 film Sleepy Hollow. And thank you to LMC Music and Audio for our new title song. Welcome, Jesse and Ryan. How's everybody doing today? Doing good. How's it going? Uh, pretty good. Can't complain, especially since I just watched the movie Sleepy Hollow. Let's just get it out of the way right off the bat. How do we feel about it? Was Sleepy Hollow a good movie? Okay, for the first 45 minutes, I was in. I was like totally sold, and I was like, this is going to be a great movie. And the, the atmosphere is fantastic. Like, this is like perfect Johnny Depp, where it's, it's before Pirates of the Caribbean. It's like after that, he gets so big that like you can almost tell he's a huge star in all these movies, and it kind of gets like all met on you or whatever. And this is just like when he's in like, I guess his 30s or something, and he's at that perfect like weird movie, interesting movie you know, phase of his career. But then it just like at 45 minute mark, the story got so convoluted and it was like, I was like, what's going on with these family histories? Like I can't keep track of any of these names. I got totally lost in what was going on there and lost interest in it. And then it kind of just ended. And I was like, huh? Okay. I was going to keep it pretty surface level because I've got a lot to go later on. I really enjoyed it. Uh, and, but I'll give it this caveat. Just like I enjoyed Breaking Bad, it took me four times starting Breaking Bad to get the whole way through it. I got stuck at the same halfway point of the first season and stopped watching it three times before I finished it. Same thing with this movie. I started it and I was like, oh, this is a hard go. And then once I finally got into it, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, it's interesting you said that because until uh, this morning, I don't think I've ever actually sat down and watched the entire film of Sleepy Hollow. I've seen like clips here and there as a kid. I always was like real thrilled by it and like scared of it. But it wasn't until now that I was like, all right, I'm sitting down for Sleepy Hollow. And I totally loved it. I thought it was awesome. However, I completely agree with what Jesse's saying. We're like, I was so, so on board. And then at this one scene when he starts to put the pieces together of like what it feels like it's like two different movies. Like you have this murder mystery and then you have the headless horseman. It became supernatural. Um, you, do you mean supernatural, the TV show or supernatural, the general idea? <laughs> I meant the second one, but the first one, I, I suppose. <laughs> but yeah, I got, I got so confused by the family history. Like maybe if I watch this movie two or three more times, I would put it together. But like this first time it was so disorienting. Um, that the second half was a little more all over the place where the first half was like awesome. Well, let me make mention of this then. I'll spill the beans now. Uh, I felt that this had such similarities to the girl with the dragon tattoo where you had to just keep in mind so many different family names and dynamics. Uh, maybe this was a diet version of that, but it, I certainly at points it, it was like, all right, there's, a Van Garrett and a Van Tassel, and I got to keep them straight. And a Van, Van Brunt. <laughs> yeah. And and so my, I have to admit that the point where I re- started rewatching it the several times was after seeing the names played out. So I at least was a little bit more uh, prone to keep up with it. But Yeah, I think after you watch it once and like actually understand who everyone is, it would make a lot more sense. 
But still, I don't know if the movie like needed all that. Just a few basic details. Sleepy Hollow was released in 1999. It follows Ichabod Crane, who is sent to Sleepy Hollow to investigate the decapitations of three people, with the culprit being the legendary apparition, the Headless Horseman. It was directed by Tim Burton. Written The original short story was written by Washington Irving. Let's just talk a little bit about the short story it's based on. Because um, basically... The short story is like super duper simple. I've never read it, but I did a little research coming in. Um, And basically the short story is just Ichabod and that Van Brunt guy competing for the affections of Katrina, the Christina Ricci character. And then he tells him like a spooky story about the Headless Horseman. Ichabod um, goes off into the night and is like attacked by the Headless Horseman. And you don't know if it was a real attack or a fake attack, similar to the movie. Um, that like fake out attack scene but that's basically the entire story and this whole thing is just like extrapolated from that well let's instead then talk about the disney cartoon version (laughs) a lot more more child appeal i've never seen it i've never seen it either i i I think that that i feel that that's a short one too but i can't remember too well but i distinctly remember scenes of the floppity ichabod riding backwards on the horse um, so my experience was, uh, the story, I remember it being read in like elementary school Halloween night, you know, when they turn the lights down in the gym and they put out the bowls of cold spaghetti and the olives and you have to put your hand in it. And in the music room, they were reading that story. I don't know if they were just doing it on loop or, uh, like it like in amusement parks or something, come back every hour and a half kids. But I, I think I remember hearing it there. And then I, the, the movie, the cartoon sticks out a lot. And then this movie, I think I saw in theaters. So I've got a, I've got a nice through line with the, the story and the reboots. <laughs> I never knew, like I knew when Sleepy Hollow came out, I was like, I've, I've heard of this story. I don't know where I know it from. I guess it was from like kids stories in school and stuff, but I, de- I definitely never saw the Disney one. But it was just one of those like kind of legends or myths that everybody knows, I guess. I was going to say, what did you each think the story was before you got into it then? I'd, all I knew is that there was a headless horseman involved. Like, a, like that was the character that he runs around and he, without a head. And he has like a lan- jack-o'-lantern a, like, that he carries around. I knew, I knew that. Did you know it was Christopher Walken in this movie? No, that was such a funny surprise when they showed the flashback and it was like Christopher Walken with his weird fangs. (laughs) I should say that the only rendition that I notably miss out on in this story's telling is the 2004 version, The Hollow, with Nick Carter from Backstreet Boys and Uh. Kaylee Cuoco or Cuomo? Cuoco. Hmm. Uh, Andrew, what was your uh, thoughts coming from the movie? Oh, I lost my train of thought, but I was just thinking, I feel like the Headless Horseman as like a movie monster has like flown under the radar. He's pretty yes. awesome though. Yeah, he's a good situation. He could definitely uh, get a franchise going, huh? Like a uh, Freddy or something like that, or Jason. Well, I think this, yeah, that'd be sweet. I think this has been long enough since I saw it last that I actually was caught up in the story. I, I thought that it was fake. I thought up until that 45 minute mark that you're talking about at the pivot, that it was gonna, there was going to be a logical explanation to it. Somebody had faked it. I remember the fake scene, and I was like, is that the climax of the movie? That would have been better. No, it would not have been better, Jesse. You think this would have been better if it was like... 
Did he wasn't a real monster? Um, I think <laughs> that the the way that they ended it, I, the, he he ends up just being a tool for somebody else. Yeah, to use. he like he's not like he's like not dangerous at all by the end, and the plot that we took to get to that conclusion was so like confusing and drawn out. If they just cut out the stepmother, right? She was the the witch of the all. If they completed <laughs> her role in the movie, it would have been a better movie. And it would have been an hour and a half instead of almost two hours. And it would have moved much quicker. And it would have just been like, oh, he was like, he's some horrible thing that actually exists. And that's the end of this movie. The end. And I'd be like, oh, that was awesome. That was like an awesome <laughs> hour and a half. I agree with you. I thought that like they could have dropped the whole murder mystery aspect of it. And it could have just been, I thought I was like enthralled every time the horseman was on the screen as a monster. Like right, I loved yeah. that stuff. So I thought like maybe they could have just like cleaned it up, made like the witch girl, Christina Ricci, like comes up with some spell that like traps him. They have some big giant action set see- set piece to like, trap him that a lot of stuff goes wrong but like they get it done end of movie done like i'm good <laughs> like a van helsing kind of movie it wow we should perfect. watch van helsing we yeah, should watch great, van helsing <laughs> great movie so underrated yeah so this story was adapted by kevin yeager as well as kevin walker the kevins and it stars johnny depp and christina ricci by the way christina ricci was on fire for like five years of her career with these creepy movies yeah, I looked back at that. I was like, hmm, these are all kind of pretty similar roles. Like Adam's Family, uh, this, and what else? Casper. Casper. Right, yeah. Listen, was she on a better, was she in a better spot on her trajectory than Johnny Depp was at this point? Well, Johnny Depp had uh, Edward Scissorhands, which was yeah. nine years earlier. Was it nine oh, years uh, earlier? Yeah, Edward Scissorhands came out in 1990. Okay. Uh, well, what else did he have at this point, though? Um, he was in some dramas, some like What's Eating Gilbert Grape, What's and, like, Eating Gilbert prestige Grape movies, and Fear yeah. and Loathing in Las Vegas. That's the one, right? That was right before this, right? Yeah. So commercially, let's say, and this was three years before Pirates of the Caribbean. That's wild. I, it was weird. It was almost like jarring to see Johnny Depp so restrained in this role. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, it was really it was refreshing. Yeah, I think this might have been this might be one of his top roles. He's good. He's like a little goofy, but like he's not going. He's not like hamming it up like he does nowadays. I will regret saying that one day. <laughs> well, because at this point, it's whatever like role Johnny Depp does, like the focus on the movie is all Johnny Depp and like his character. And it's like, well, what's he gonna do with this character? This is more like, it's a little bit more set back in the story. You can kind of just get a feel for everything and not just be consumed by just having Depp as like this presence on the screen. And he plays the role pretty well. There's some funny scenes. There's some, I mean, he, I don't think he plays a scene badly. No, he's like perfect. This is like his Mario performance. It's balanced. Everything is just balanced. <laughs> Did you say Mario? Like, like Super Mario? Yeah, you know how all of his stats are always level and everything. Oh yeah, balanced, not tricky. It doesn't jump higher or go faster. What'd you say though? Tricky? <laughs> well, that's it. In Mario Tennis, you have power, tricky, and balance, which is Mario or Mario. Glad we got that reference in here. <laughs> leave, leave your comments, your Mario Tennis section below. <laughs> it's also wild what like a hot streak Tim Burton was on going into this movie. What did he have going before this? 
So Burton blew up in 88 when he dropped Beetlejuice, then went right into Batman in 89. Edward Scissorhands in 1990. Batman Returns in 92. Then some movie called Ed Wood in 94. And then he gets into like kind of like his cult classic phase with Mars Attacks and Sleepy Hollow. And then, coincidentally, he has a big flop that we've talked about before on the podcast, Planet of the Apes. Yeah, it was kind of like a trajectory going with that one. So I think the situation with Burton here, it feels like it was a like fantastically directed movie. It looks great. The atmosphere is fantastic. The shots are amazing. And like the sets are beautiful. You're like, wow, this is like a great looking movie. It just feels like maybe it was the script. There's the actual story that he had to shoot it for. The dialogue is what took me out of this movie totally. So I, it's, it's too bad that like he was, it was a really great movie on that standpoint with the looks of it. It was just, the story was just wrong or too much. Well, the, the, uh, to your point, the cinematography, the acting, the uh, set pieces and the clothing and costumes and wardrobe, I should say, everything was really strong up to a point. And then you're, you're right. The story just kind of lost its wheels a little bit. Uh, and that's what lost it for you. You think that's what soured you on everything? Everything. I was out of it. I was like, it was like midway through one of the conversations with the witch, you know, or the stepmom. And I was like, this is, I'm like, this has gone too long. I can't keep track of all these Van Garretts and Van Horns and people. <laughs> Van Horns. Yeah. And, and then it just kept on going for like 20 more minutes throughout the movie. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. All right. Just how is this going to end? Why don't we just dive right into the plot of this movie? Um, I'm going to speed through a synopsis, but please stop anytime you have a question for the group or a correction or a comment on this movie, because there is plenty to talk about. (laughs) We open up on a horse and carriage where a man with a will is assaulted by a headless horseman and his jack-o'-lantern scarecrow accomplice. All right, hold on. I'm sorry. There was already so much happening in this first minute, right? Uh, They tried to pack so much into this first 30 seconds of scenes happening around Van Garrett. Like you had to stop and and rewind if you were trying to catch everything that was happening. The whole setting that you're describing was just at this point, so Tim Burton and Jesse, uh, it was just dead on creepy. And there were a lot of, a lot of pumpkin heads. Can't forget that. Where do you guys, where do you guys kind of rank this as like a cold open spooky horror scene to start the movie? Fantastic. I give it an A. I was in. I was so in for the first half an hour. I was like, there's no way I'm not going to like this movie. This is fantastic. They can't mess this up. They can't mess it up. I can already know how it's going to end. I know what's going to happen. And it's going to be fantastic the whole time. And they totally screwed it up. And they like went way too into it with themselves. Like they got way too like, oh, we need to. They like manipulated too much plot that didn't have to be manipulated. You know, it's an interesting thing to note is that one of the writers of this movie was one of the writers of Seven, the murder mystery. Okay. And I feel like their fingerprints were like all over this thing. Yeah, that that makes sense. There, yeah, it was like you had to follow along way too tightly. Like I am, I was not invested for this. This is not what I paid to think like to see here. You know, I'm trying to get entertained. I'm not trying to follow along in this family tree here. <laughs> well, this also wasn't seven. This was like three. <laughs> <laughs> this didn't have that kind of depth. You know what I mean? 
No, it didn't. But it had an amazing monster. I like loved the opening. I was in. And like, even though they had, they had all that stuff with like the guy and his will that like I didn't follow whatsoever. But like at that time when I was just watching it for the first time, I didn't know that any of that stuff mattered. So it was like, fine. I was just like, this is really scary. <laughs> yeah, it was perfect. You're right. So now it's 1799 in New York City and police constable Ichabod Crane hates shoddy police work and loves science. As a result, he is sent to Sleepy Hollow, home of a series of decapitations. Can I mention something here? So 1799 is somewhat civilized looking. I wouldn't mind being there. I don't know about you guys. Uh, I I liked what they did with the whole 1799 play up and like how they kind of sprinkled in like, oh, the new century's right around the corner. Because that's kind of like what it was in 1999. I was like, yep, that was pretty much the vibe. And the movie came out in 99. And when you guys saw this and first saw Christopher Lee, could you not unsee him as his father from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? I just couldn't get the the two roles out of my head. Am I right there or am I wrong? I don't I don't remember Charlie and the Chocolate Factory well enough. I just when I see him, I just saw Sor- Soromon. I, yeah, I see Lord of the Rings. I, I said that's all right, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> not even Count Dooku, huh? No. no. <laughs> No, but we'll get to some we'll get to some episode one uh, relationships throughout this, actually. Well, I also really enjoyed the opening credits, just the peaceful journey upstate. Sleepy Hollow looks delightful. I said pretty creepy, though. Yeah. Creepy town. I think the MVP of this movie is really just the fog that's everywhere. (laughs) The fog man did great. (laughs) And I don't know if you guys noticed, but on the uh, ride in when he was flipping through his notebook... He had these weird torture pages, literally the page right before his Sleepy Hollow notes. So he had been been, taking his assignments from his boss mere hours after he had been drawing all these weird sketches about torture. That was another element of the story that they could have totally cut out. It made, had no, like his mom was like tortured and he was tortured as a boy. For what reasons we need to know this? Or in what way this developed or affected Johnny Depp today, I have no idea if it had any connection. Well, I'll tell you, it turned him into a man of logic. Yeah, it got it, it, it turned him off of the church and belief and made him a man of reason. That was that whole that was that whole thing. Is that I all right. Who was who was the creepy guy? Was that his dad or was that just some yeah. random like church guy? Oh, that was his dad. It was his dad. But, but okay, but why do we need to know that he's a man of logic? Like, why is there, that have to be so proven? Like, if we're watching a Sherlock Holmes movie, we get like, okay, he's a logical guy. Got it. I don't need a whole backstory of Sherlock Holmes' back life to tell me why he's a good <laughs> detective or what motivates him. But as long as it's Benedict Cumberbatch playing it, I'll watch it. <laughs> exactly. I, I like those random flashback scenes. I thought that was like Tim Burton just like flexing his creepiness. Uh, it was definitely creepy definitely creepy but yeah there was a weird obsession with like torture in this movie whether it was like the guy in the opening trial or they just could have cut so much like fat from it like they looked great the scenes looked fantastic they were fun to watch but the story the pace of it just slowed down so much with these extra parts that it's like i just want to see the horse the headless horseman and i want to see johnny depp interact with it and like there was some weird oedipal things going on as well yes definitely but anyway we'll talk about that later so 
Ichabod rolls into the hollow and meets rich guy, Baltus Van Tassel, his wife, Lady Van Tassel, a bunch of other rich people in wigs, Baltus's beautiful daughter, Katrina Van Tassel, and her boyfriend, Brom Van Grunt, who looks like Tom Brady and is played by Casper Van Dien of Starship Troopers fame. Yeah, he was. <laughs> that, was that was a mouthful, just saying that scene. But as a viewer, you're expected to actually remember that to move forward with this movie and the plot. Like, you have to know these people's names and who they are. And I skipped over, like, five people in that list. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, first of all, what was everyone doing at this party? Rich people Why stuff? were they so happy? What were they, yeah, partying about? Didn't, like, three people just die? And when he walked into town, it was definitely daytime, and then it was definitely pitch black nighttime when he got there. Why did it take him so long? Did he stop? What did he stop to do? <laughs> I don't know. How, how much of this movie took place during the day? <laughs> the burial scene, which we'll talk about. I saw that... The whole movie was shot with blue filter. For the blood to make it look red, they had to make it bright orange. Huh. So it had that very atmospheric vibe, very moody and, you know, spooky. It was great. It was fantastic. Well, I, I wish I could just waltz into a kissing game. Is that what was going on? A kissing game? Yeah, he just walked into Christina Ricci handing out oh, kisses yeah. randomly. Interesting, interesting uh, intro to a town that's going through like a serial killer and they're all huddled like away from it with a guy on a perch outside that's supposed to watch over the whole town. Like uh, that perch yeah. was ridiculous. What do you expect him to do from that? Didn't he, he didn't even have a bell. At least give him a bell. <laughs> see something to let people know. Like you could only see there's no barrier at all. Like it could easily still kill you. But Everybody else is partying while he's making sure the, uh, the killer on the loose is uh, not doing anything. <laughs> There's a really good piece of dialogue in there, too, from uh, Michael Gambon. Is that how you pronounce his name? Dumbledore? Uh, oh, dude, when I realized that was Dumbledore, I was like, what? Well, he let, after he found out who he was, uh, he said, oh, no, before he found out who he was, he said, you're welcome to stay even if you are selling something. It was just like, <laughs> I don't know where it came from. It was hilarious. That was a good line, actually. There's a few really good lines in this. That definitely spiced the movie up and made it better. Yeah, I thought it was pretty witty overall. Like, I was I was delighted the whole time, except when, like, the plot got super crazy. As, as soon as anything that, like, mattered with plot development happened, I was just, yeah. Ichabod learns the story of the Headless Horseman, who used to be Christopher Walken with fangs, but was decapitated and now haunts the towns, snatching people's heads. As, like, a bad guy origin story, where what do we give this out of 10? Stylistic or content? <laughs> I say style. I'm going. I'm going like eight out of ten. It's just like straight to the point. A lot of a lot of head chopping, a lot of head lopping. But like the logic checks out. He's scary as like a Hessian soldier. What is a Hessian soldier? German, German mercenary. That that. But this takes place in New York. What is the history of the Revolutionary War? Yeah, it's like 100 years after the Revolutionary War. No, this is like 25 Isn't years. Isn't 1899? 1799. This is like the so, dawn of America. While Ben Franklin is at work, Ichabod is solving dead. his murder. Oh, he was? 19 years dead by this point. Really? Yeah. I'm sorry. He was nine years dead by this point. Uh, so at any rate, Jesse, they were brought in by the British to fight the uh, United States Army. Okay. And, or the, 
constitutional army, I guess. And after the war, he just, you know, they just stuck around and then and he had a bloodlust and then they hunted him down for years. That's a pretty good backstory. I will give it to you. Yeah, it was short. It was short but sweet. I'll tell you, it's so good that the haunted house that's thrived in my town for decades totally reappropriated it. They have like the logo is a Hessian, you know, zombie. The story is loosely uh, around that, though. The clown room and the toxic sludge room and the chainsaws may you know, throw that off. I don't know. <laughs> Wait, does it run year-round? No, only Fridays and Saturdays in October. This episode brought to you by Houston Haunted Hollow. That sounds awesome. That sounds Wait, did, that, did it come out around the time of the same time of this movie? Yes. So they were like, this movie is so good, we're going to make a haunted, ho- haunted house off of it, and now they're still around. That's pretty or awesome. they just sharpen their branding to uh, thrive off of it, you know? It's success. I buy it. It's a great story. I, I, I definitely like this. Is this a top 10 walk and roll? Wow. That's a big top question. Top 10? All right. I'm gonna, I got to hear the nominees. Top 10. I would say yes. Top 10 is a lot. That's a lot of good movies. Can I tell you at this point? Top, what, about top, what about top like three? Definitely not top, top three. three. No. Top five? Five, it might crack. I don't know. That's, that's hard. He's 10 yes, five no. Catch me if you can. Okay, catch me if you can. The Living Daylights. What do you say? The Living Daylights, the James Bond movie. Or is it? Oh, I don't it, remember him from that. Yeah, he's a Bond villain. Oh, nice. I got to watch that. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. Wedding Crashers. Oh, there you go. Uh, Wayne's World Two. Oh, wait. Do you have the list, Andrew? Just read them. Read them, and let's let me, let's see. Oh man, this list is going to be brutal to filter through because there's so many random movies he's in. I'm going to look for the bigger ones. Okay. Envy. Oh, Envy with oh. Um, Jack Black. Oh, my to, God. That's hilarious. That should be an episode in itself. That should definitely be that an episode. 100% be an episode. an episode. Apparently, he's in Annie Hall at some point. The yeah. Deer Hunter, which is some sort of classic. Dogs of War. Um, the Dead Zone is an awesome movie that he actually stars in. I definitely recommend checking that one out. He's in huh, a movie called Puss in Boots that was released in 1988. Puss in Boots. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he was in he was in Batman Returns, another Burton movie as Max Shrek. Yeah. That's a good role. Yeah, he was really good in that. Um, he was in True Romance, Wayne's World 2, Pulp Fiction. How could we forget Pulp Fiction? T- yeah. Yeah. Things to do in Denver when you're dead. How could we forget things to do in Denver? <laughs> I've never even heard those words together in that order. Never <laughs> in my life. Oh, he was in the movie Ants from 1998. Then Sleepy Hollow the next year. He was in Joe Dirt. Oh, Joe Dirt. Yeah, okay. Catch Me If You Can. Um, this is, so he's really heating up here. Like He's just like going mainstream. This is one everybody loves walking right now. Yep. Kangaroo Jack, Gili. How did you miss the Living Daylights? Oh, I brushed past that. Unless I wait, let me. I'll just look for it. That was just eighties. It's not. It's not on here. Maybe, perhaps, it's another Bond movie. View to a Kill. That's what it is. Oh, I miss it. I gotta watch that now. All right. So then he was also in Envy. Should do that one. Duran Duran does the. 
theme song for it or the soundtrack the song for it add it to the list everybody loves these movies these are gonna be real <laughs> crowd pleasers so then he was in stepford wives wedding crashers click uh hairspray wait, wait, wait. wedding crashers he was great in wedding crashers too yeah Another classic. So, Wedding Crashers 2, the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hairspray, Balls of Fury, Kill the Irishman, Seven Psychopaths. That's a good movie. Yeah, it is. Now we're, now we're veering off into a land that I, again, don't know. No. Jersey Boy, Jersey Boys, Peter Pan, Live, <laughs> Joe Dirt 2, Beautiful Loser, Direct-A-Video. Um, we should do that. We should do that. <laughs> that would be a fun one. The Jungle Book, he was a voice in. That's kind of the end of uh, the Christopher Walken filmography. Yeah, so top five. Um... I think it's six or seven. Yeah, I think he, he kind of, it's right on that cusp of top five. Yeah. It's a good role for him. Well, I'll tell you, he, he, he didn't have a line. Yeah, well, it was like uh, the equivalent of uh, Vin Diesel's I Am Groot. He <laughs> just had one line, which was, yeah. <laughs> he just like hissed uh, a lot. <laughs> no, but he, he was interviewed at the time. I watched him on set saying that up to this point, he had primarily played villains and so he was happy to he looked at this as a continuation of positive trend in his career he was really happy to do this wow it makes sense yeah all right so ichabod is skeptical when another victim is killed the victim hey i'm sorry the, uh, there were a couple other things i wanted to mention Please. so uh, we kind of hit at, hinted at it earlier but other than walking a bunch of uh just really strong british actors in this a bunch of harry potter veterans and then emperor palpatine i feel like we were watching hogwarts plus star wars yeah <laughs> sleepy hollow is like hogwarts with all the witchcraft and craziness that goes on in this town definitely the same universe if harry potter walked in he'd be like oh okay i get it we're in the sleepy hollow universe or we're in the hogwarts universe <laughs> well the other two things i wanted to make mention of that were hilarious uh so the revolutionary scene was absolutely stylistically hysterical. Uh, did you notice it? It's like they had like the rifles up in the air, just like shaking them back and forth in the foreground while he was riding around in the background. Like it was just, it had a totally different feel than the entire rest of the movie. Really? That was a good scene. I did love that scene. Yeah. Oh, I was swept up by his love of stabbing and cutting people's heads off. Go back and watch it sometime. It's just goofy. It's just like uh, they had five guys on set holding up two rifles each, just shaking them in front of the camera. <laughs> and then and then Dumbledore made a comment. He said, uh, buried in the ground was a seed of evil. And all it made me think of was the N64 sequel, Turok 2, Seeds of Evil. Oh, no. I thought you were going with the Deku nut from Zelda. Or No, definitely not. I thought that was a great line, though, and I loved how they used that and actually literally grew into a tree. Like, he right. grew into an evil tree. Oh, we'll talk about the tree. The tree's okay. fantastic. Ichabod is skeptical when another victim is killed. The victim's son, Mazbath. <laughs> I can't say that without laughing. <laughs> um, well, then try saying it more like Mazbeth. That's how they say it. I had to, I had to read it. <laughs> You know what I mean? Because <laughs> Maz Bath definitely. <laughs> I'm not gonna say that. So the victim's son. This is like the lookout guy, correct? The guy. Correct. Who, yeah. 
the worst job in town. Worst job in the entire town. Uh, well, I thought that it. I thought that he was just a, a patsy at this point. My recollection of the story was that there was a conspiracy, but I thought the conspiracy was just to kill the first few to cover up their secret baby, and that he was murdered because they were trying to throw off the scent and you know make it seem like it was uh, an actual conspiracy. You know what I mean? Um, come to learn later, you know what we'll probably talk about. But this kid delivered a, a, a slammer joke. Did you guys hear it? No. Johnny Depp says to him, young Mr. Masbeth, and, and he says, well, the only Masbeth now, so just Masbeth. <laughs> oh, my God. That's dark. It was hilarious. There, there's some good one-liners. So I'm going to be confused through a lot of this because I was confused at this movie. So the guy who is the lookout, was he, was he related to the family in some way? No yes. idea. Yes. No idea. Yes. He was the servant to the to Martin Landau's character. Oh, interesting. Okay. Jesse, you know you know uh, Bob from Entourage. Is that something you might be interested in? I, I love Entourage. Oh, okay, never mind. Martin Landau. You know who he is? Oh, I know what you're talking about. Good Van Garrett at the beginning. The guy, that, the first guy that you, the the guy that you got saw get get uh, killed in the cornfield. Oh, I did not yeah, recognize him. Familiar. He's from Entourage? He was, yeah. He was his servant. Masbeth, uh, his father, was that guy's servant. And he w- ended up being the witness on the marriage certificate. <laughs> Dude, this is so... How did, you, how did you even, like, put that together? Put captions, good sir, and rewind. Oh my. I just imagined That's... Ryan, like, freeze-framing the will and, and has, like, what? a document on his wall, like, mapping out the family. <laughs> a bunch of strings. All right, so from the get-go, this is where the movie went wrong, where it's the same kind of theme where they're trying – they're giving us way more information than we need or want. Like, they're trying to add this – the stepmom t- to explain why this Headless Horseman is evil. We don't, I don't need to know why he's evil. I get it. He's an evil character. I'm sold. Like, a horror movie. I don't need to know, like, his motivation at all. Like, I just need to see, like, just give me the Headless Horseman doing some crazy <laughs> and we're in a magical world, and you have to beat the magical creature, and we'll call it a day. I don't need to know about why he wants to kill anybody or why, like, you know, he's not this evil monster creature, you know? Well, if you look at, like... Freddy Krueger's origin story. He was like a guy who the people in the towns killed, similar to the Headless Horseman, and he was just getting revenge by going and like haunting the kids in their dreams and killing them randomly. So like I would have been totally okay with that if the Headless Horseman was just killing whoever because he wanted revenge on them for cutting off his head and he was evil. Yeah, sure. Make the end story that the townsfolk just cut his head off or something. Yeah. I thought I mean they already did, didn't they? Well, I thought that they were going to go with what you were saying, Andrew, was that Headless Horseman was killing all of the lineage of those soldiers that killed him in that one scene. Oh. I was like, okay, cool. That makes sense. I get it. We'll go. That's that's enough story. They went way deeper than that. Well, I'll tell you what. When we get to it later on, I'll, hopefully uh, I, could, I could make the case for where there is some good parts to the writing. Or, or some fun to the intrigue. But in the meantime, a couple things that you skipped over. Yeah. Uh, there was one short bit, short joke that uh, uh, Johnny Depp said. He was like, you must not never move the body. 
And the guy says, why not? And all he goes is, because. <laughs> it was a perfect scene. It's like another example where I think he, he played the scene well, the writing well. He had the glasses, like the enhanced glasses. Oh, yeah. That, he had the one that came scene. out. Great. He had a ridiculous chemical that detects a singular thrust from the leaves on the ground. Get out of here. <laughs> that's that's what I wanted. I just wanted that the whole movie, you know, almost like with what the Robert Downey Jr. did with Sherlock Holmes. It was just kind of entertaining. They didn't go too deep with it. It was just kind of a fun watch. It was just like, you know what you're paying for, you know what you're getting, and it has some really fun people in it. And that's what I wanted with this. Here's my question. First off, this movie's way better than Sherlock Holmes. Uh, but, but second <laughs> off... You think uh, so? I, I do. I like this. I like the, I like this movie a lot. And even though I had like issues with how crazy and complicated and lost I was, I was still like into it, even when I wasn't really? as into it. Yeah. That's um, a hot take. Yeah. And my big question is, is Ichabod Crane like the world's first CSI lab technician? Uh, <laughs> it's a fair question. I, it seems that way. Yes. But isn't this the exact same time period as Sherlock Holmes? Oh, yeah. When did Sherlock Holmes take place? 1870s. 1870s. Okay. And this this was... All right. I guess this was first. Yeah. I think I think that Sherlock Holmes was inspired by the work of Ichabod Crane to become the man he became. This takes place in what, 1799, you said? Yeah. Wait, what about Benjamin Franklin? He was doing the 1770s. All yeah. right, anyway, a <laughs> couple other reference <laughs> points that would be important would be when were each of the two stories written? We know when they're set, when were they each written? That's a very good question. So Sherlock Holmes stories were began being written in the 1880s. Oh, this just happened. This was like two, <laughs> they were, it's like writing a story about 2010. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, the world must have been terrifying for people back then. Not like Sleepy Hollow, 1999, scary. <laughs> I mean, were, was anyone ever like actually frightened at any point in this movie? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I thought the be good beginning and the headless horseman scenes. Some of them, when he, he's riding out of the darkness and out of the fog and back into it, and you don't know where he is, but he, when he comes out, he's really fast and has like really good sword skills. I'd be scared. Oh, I'd 100% be scared if I was there in person. I was never like scared. I was like thrilled by the movie. Yeah, I could see 99 though in a dark movie theater <laughs> before it gets kind of a bit more hammy. Uh, yeah. You know, you're on, you, before you know what to expect. Not even in, in the theater, as a kid in your basement watching this on a VHS tape, it's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as a kid, I'm 100% afraid of this movie. Yeah. All right, so we'll keep moving forward a little bit. Um, Ichabod is skeptical of the horsemen. When another victim is killed, the victim's son, Basbeth, decides to become Ichabod's Padawan apprentice and occasionally okay. helps throughout the story. Ow. This guy... This character was the most watered down uh, short round <laughs> any movie ever. I mean, he was just about pretty close to useless. The only thing I, I could tell that he did was hit the Headless Horseman with a, with a piece of wood in the end. Yeah, he has but like a hammer that, moment or something. What were, your, what were your thoughts on him? Buying or selling? Can I take the screen? Yeah. Sure. You said that he was the worst short round, except for the moment that he had at the end where he yeah. clubbed him. Are, are these your notes on the movie? Uh-oh. There might be some spoilers for the Jar Jar here. 
Oh, shoot. Wow. I'm really impressed. This is this well is done. I love it. All right. You ready? Wait, let's see. Short round moment. Yeah, exactly. Can I just uh, talk about my ignorance here? Who is short round? Indiana Jones sidekick. That's what, that's what I was thinking, but I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't concretely say it's okay we can edit that out andrew oh no i'm okay i'm okay showing my flaws can you edit out everything that i just showed on screen (laughs) make it all blurry and pixelated (laughs) definitely brahm pranks ichabod by dressing up as the horseman and nailing him in the head with a flaming jack-o-lantern which i think then makes it okay that ichabod is in love with brahm's girlfriend ichabod witnesses the town doctor get to decapitated by the horseman and now he is a believer yeah so i'd like to i'd like to say something here the bridge scene all of that was perfect when you had if you had it on closed captioning i never realized this but the frog it gives credit to the frog saying ichabod yeah <laughs> wait what that's so funny oh because you were watching with the words on yeah, yeah yeah but i thought everything about that scene was perfect uh watching the the doctor get beheaded and then his head Wait, rolls. Was the doctor? No, I, no, no. I didn't actually know who he was. I was just like, oh, that's probably the doctor. <laughs> who is that guy? <laughs> Couldn't care less. The magistrate. Uh, I believe. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Uh, keep going. Ichabod and Masbath head into the woods where they find a witch in a cave who tells them to go to the tree of the dead. That's all you needed. Okay. For the whole movie to explain everything. This witch says like, he's evil. <laughs> okay, cool. Got it. Don't care about why he's killing people at all. And uh, wasn't the, the scene with the bat blood a little bit different feeling after Corona? Oh, oh I didn't think of that. I thought uh, the effects were think. awesome where he just where she just yeah. pops that head off and has Well, let's I was pretty cheesy. <laughs> it was really on that fine line. In nineteen ninety nine, I don't think it was that cheesy yet. The eyes popping out were cheesy. The rest of it was. Yes. Worked. Yeah. That, you know, her yeah, face, that, whenever it was kind of contorting, was pretty pretty goofy. Yeah. Some of the effects didn't age very well. Yeah. But the tree of the, the you, you referenced the tree of the dead. That thing, that's accurate term. That uh, chopping scene was hilarious. Yeah. They find a bunch of heads in a tree, the tree of the dead. And they dig up the horseman's grave and find that a skull is missing. The horseman emerges from the tree, which is awesome. His uh, chopping technique, did anybody else think that that was gonna <laughs> the least efficient way to possibly <laughs> chop a tree? Uh, have you ever tried to chop an entire tree down with a hatchet? <laughs> he did pretty well there. I mean, he was just going like this and it was like busting at his face. I thought at that point that we were getting closer to resolution than, than we were. <laughs> That's actually when I paused it. I was like, all right, how much of the movie's left? And it was like a half an hour was left. I was like, what? Okay. Uh, I think there's even way more left at that point. Also, I think the tree is one of my contenders for the uh, best character in the film. Ooh. It's got a it's got a great curve to it. And I just love mm. seeing all those heads in there. All right. We'll have to discuss the tree. Ichabod is having some weird flashbacks about his childhood, about his mom and a creepy man in a wig who we now know is his dad. Well, and, and listen, they didn't identify immediately that that was his mom. So I was really kind of uncomfortable. She was very chesty. And, so chesty. Uh, <laughs> I was, Bold move. Yeah, I didn't know what was going on there and I was a little uncomfortable, but <laughs> it's okay. I'm all right. I'm all right now. <laughs> yeah, over. They, didn't, they didn't go in any of those super strange directions, but they gave like just a hint of it to maybe make you feel uneasy. 
The horseman kills the village midwife and her family. Perfect scene. Love that little scene. boy was perfect for that. That yeah. was a great that, scene. The battle inside the house, the floorboards. I was I was terrified in that scene. Yeah. yeah. If there's one scene that's scary, it's definitely that scene. When you see that kid under the floorboards and the horseman's coming for him. Yeah, that was kind of like, that was almost like Inglorious Bastard-esque, right? Yeah, totally got Inglorious vibes. And that scene just keeps on rolling as an action scene when Brom shoots the horseman as he leaves, but the horseman... Right, sniper wolf over here. <laughs> Why would they think a gun would work on a headless thing? I mean, you gotta like, try. Clearly, like, he's, his head is off. Clearly, a bullet's not gonna do anything. And that was obviously, like, some kind of souped-up musket, right? Oh, yeah. That was, a, that was from, some normal thing. That was and a Black the Future 3 musket or gun. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Uh, and loading up whenever he's marching dead straight at you takes serious melons. (laughs) Yeah, too late, way too late. All right, but luckily Ichabod appears and he and Brom have a two-on-one fight against the horseman, Darth Maul style. However, Brom is cut in half, Darth Maul style. That was perfect. It's great. Wait. I love that scene. Do you remember when... Uh, Brom, I guess is his name, is going after the Headless Horseman. And Johnny Depp goes, he's not going after you. Yeah. Wouldn't, if you were the other guy, wouldn't you be like, dude, he's killing our whole town, man. We're, he's right here. We have to get him. We're, this is who we're looking for. Well, doesn't he, doesn't, doesn't uh, what, Casper Van Diem play that with his eyes? <laughs> Maybe onto something there. Wouldn't Depp... Isn't this Depp's up moment to get the guy he's looking for? Or do, is, at this point, is he just like, we can't kill him no matter what? It's a good point. I think reality setting in for Depp that like, they're going to have to get witchy if they're going to stop this guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because I guess didn't uh, Johnny Depp take a swing or two at him? Oh, yeah. They were both fighting him. They had right. those crazy, like, I don't know what those are called, like it's scythers or size. something. Yeah. Size. That was a cool fight. I loved it. Yeah, I loved how he flipped him with a sword right over his shoulder. <laughs> and then he cut Brom in half. That was, that was, a, that was, a, that, what's it called in Mortal Kombat? Fatality. Fatality. Yeah, there you go. That's that move. Johnny Depp does the only reasonable thing the next morning and hits on Brom's girlfriend. After waking up totally stigmated and weird. Oh, yeah, his hands have the thing. His hands have the little bumps and he doesn't know how they got there. And yeah, Katrina's not sad that Brahm is dead and totally has the hots for Ichabod. They share a steamy hug. Then Ichabod deduces that there's some sort of conspiracy going on with Wills and Widows and Katrina's dad and Baltus is at the center of it all. That's the most boring sentence of this whole podcast so far. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, let me, let me spice it out. My favorite... Uh, one of my favorite scenes, maybe, I'll, I'll get there eventually, was whenever he started revealing this thing. He goes, I think we're getting close. And then it cuts to his notes, and it's just like a bunch of scattered baloney and one name. <laughs> and then uh, and then he comes walking back in the room, and she's all upset with him, right? And she's like, oh, my father is on to your conspiracy and, and it, it cuts to his note and it says <laughs> one name, it's Baltus, you know? 
It's hilarious. I just, I, I died laughing. <laughs> that scene broke me. I was on such a high after the Brom cut in half scene and was so into the movie. And then they like explained the whole conspiracy. And I was like, wait, I actually don't have any idea what's going on in this movie right ah, now. Exactly. Well, did you see Christina Ricci's overreaction that rivaled the overreaction from Jurassic Park 3 whenever she was breaking up with him? No, which part? What'd she say? Uh, she was breaking up with uh, Ichabod and she goes overboard. She's like, I, I curse the day. Oh, yeah. That- Oh yeah, <laughs> she was all over the place, all movie. I didn't know what to think of her. I was like, am I supposed to like her or not like her? Like, oh, I'm not really sure about her. Uh, so, as a love interest, are you saying that you did not fall in love with with uh, what's her name, Katrina? <laughs> yeah, Katrina. No, no. I, I mean, at some points, I thought that she was in on it. Well, yeah, that's like the big twist they want you to feel in that neck in the next scene. Oh, yes. I love this scene. But there, there is no point where I was like, oh, too bad. I thought they were going to work well together. Uh, see, I was the opposite. I thought I thought she was pitch perfect. I was I was totally in with the uh, Christina Ricci 90s goth phase. She was the she was the witch of my dreams. Uh, <laughs> well, she was different in this. One. She was blonde. Yeah. Right? Yeah, this is the only blonde uh, which is new and exciting and fresh. <laughs> I loved her, period. I'm with you. And there was one scene that I used to just totally tune out whenever they went to the cottage and she's talking about the fireplace. I, I used to, when this scene would hit and I was watching it when I was doing it, I was like, you know, checking my watch. Like, what, what, what's going on here? How long, how much longer? Johnny Depp, though, I think in a lot of the scenes, again, that they were in together, kind of stole it. Like, he always had the best lines, the best zingers. He's like, you've bewitched my heart, you know? Yeah. Oh, that was a I great like was, line. I felt like that was out of nowhere. No, but it was interesting, like, her reaction when he says, like, you've bewitched, and then you see her be like, uh-oh, he's on to me. I really liked her in the movie. I think she was, like, a perfectly cast for the, you know, this world. Yeah. But in terms of the chemistry with their like for the love interest of Johnny Depp and her, I wasn't buying that. Not even in the woods, Jesse, when they're about to kiss. Oh yeah, and the kid no. shows up with the gun. Um, not really. You're crazy. Not buying it. it you don't, you don't believe in love, Jesse. Yeah, you got a, yeah exactly. You got a heart of of lead. <laughs> no top Top Gun, Tom Cruise and um and Charlie, right? Maverick and Charlie. What do you think of their relationship? Chemistry or no chemistry? I've never seen Top Gun. Chem- no, You're- that's not true. Oh, wow. We'll have to watch that. I'm, I won't say anything then. Let's yeah. just drop that. Yeah. We'll leave that Top Gun. and We'll leave the whole chemistry conversation for next week. Katrina gets witchy, burns the evidence, and Ichabod stumbles on Katrina's mom sleeping with some random guy in the woods and cutting her hand. So who was that guy with like the red hair or whatever? It was the, it was the uh, pastor, the priest. I didn't even remember that character. There were so many similar looking uh, esteemed British actors with wigs. And it was really difficult to keep track of who was who in this movie. All right. So you want the, you want the two minute version of everything or do you want it uh, after you get to the point in the movie where they actually reveal it? Maybe when, when they reveal it, you could give us like the rundown of like what actually happened. I feel like you need like yep. a col- you need like a college lecture series on what actually happened in Sleepy Hollow. 
There's a big town meeting in a church where Baltus announces that his wife slash Katrina's mom is dead. Did anybody think she was dead at that point? I did. Like in terms of wow. watching it, I thought she no, was dead. From the viewer's point of view, yeah, that's what I mean. Because I said, "Well, we didn't see her die, but we saw the cut. We also saw every other death explicitly, very explicitly. Like that's what they do. In in fact, that was something that they engineered." Per Tim Burton's request, he wanted every head to spin, <laughs> and they also seriously they showed every body falling, and every body had like a fit, a metal frame in it that was like engineered to flop. So like, cool, yeah. When they came over with the with the sword, uh, the head would like spin, and the body would just like flop. They're really good good scenes. There was a it was a lot of fun to watch. A lot of the most of the movie. Do you guys have a a top head decapitation? <laughs> <sighs> yes, but if I tell you his position in the town, you won't know which one I'm talking about. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you his character in Harry Potter. He was uh, Dursley, Vernon Dursley. I can't remember. The fat one, the magistrate, the guy with the wig, who told him about the... Uh... <laughs> the magistrate. I don't even know what the word magistrate means. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm so far from being where you need me to be. All right, right. we're going to take a break. I'm going to the bathroom. All right, where did we leave off? Okay, so there's a big town meeting in a church where Baltus announces that his wife slash Katrina's mom is dead. The horseman arrives, but he cannot enter, so he impales Baltus through the window with a fence post tied to a rope, then takes his head. You know he had to have, like, great form as an athlete to, like, take that stake out of the ground (laughs) and, like, chuck it right through that dude's chest, like, and through a window. And he pulled him back out, like... (laughs) <laughs> Olympic yeah, I can see he was definitely like lining it up before he threw it you know that's not an easy <laughs> throw well he had the horse he had the horse momentum gives him like 40 miles per hour you think he threw it on the horse yes oh definitely like Genghis Khan style kind of Kyle Drogo style you know like one of those okay okay yeah that could work the headless horseman would kill in like medieval Lansing <laughs> is that what it's called jousting uh Jousting, jousting, yeah, jousting. So the the Van Garrett death was amazing. Which one is that? The one we're talking about. Okay, <laughs> that's Baltus, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's Baltus. All right. If I said that's Baltus, would you know that one, Jesse? <laughs> no, no, I don't know. I thought when you said Van Garrett, I, I thought you were moving on I to know. a different character because there was multiple Van Garretts too. There's like multiple so many people, Vans. and and they go by the same name. I know. So here's. Here's the story, okay? And this is what happened. They wanted you to think that the conspiracy was directing it. I'm going to use the best comparisons that I can too, right? They wanted you to think the conspiracy was Baltus, who was a farmer, who was Dumbledore. Wait, we need right? to, can we CGI a chalkboard onto his thing so we can chalk it out? <laughs> Give me a marker and I'll draw it on there. Uh, so they wanted you to think that it was Baltus, which was Katrina's father, right? But Baltus wasn't really doing it. The, the priest who was the principal from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So he was having an affair. He was the one having the affair with Baltus's wife, the stepmother. The guy that he clonked on the head with the cross was the doctor. And the doctor was about to spill the beans about what was really going on. Because really- I still don't understand what was going on though. The priest and the stepmother were having an affair and they were working together to try to get the fortune of 
the rich families. That's it. Oh yeah, they were they were signing that will over to the stepmother. Is that what was happening? <laughs> well, the money. Yeah, it's it's convoluted. And what they think? Oh, so wait, does Baltus's dad have the fortune? And they're trying to like. All right, so they're not father and son. They're like cousins or yeah, like family kin. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the big tree they show. The money would have gone from the guy that you saw in the very beginning, Van Garrett, to Baltus, had it not been for Van Garrett having an illegitimate son, okay? So what happened was... Who's his son? Huh? Who was his illegitimate son? The, the, ba- the, the child, the unborn child that was in the widow. Oh, they were the right, right, right. The affair, okay? Yeah. And he had an he had another son. That was the guy driving the carriage at the beginning, the first guy that got beheaded. So those wait, the carriage driver was a f- character of the family. Yes. Oh, I thought that was just like generic carriage driver. What the carriage driver was Van Tassel's son that would wow. have been heir to the Van Tassel fortune <laughs> had it not been for this illegitimate son, right? And so basically what you were seeing at the very beginning was he was signing over the will to give all that money to the, to the widow. And so anyway, the stepmother killed all of these people, <laughs> like including Baltus, because at the end of all of that flow of fortune and money, it would go to Baltus, right? But killing Baltus meant the money would go to either the stepmother or Katrina. So that's why at the very end, I don't mean to ruin it. You can go ahead. Uh, but I just want to say as a commentary, this. Uh, so we know that like uh, the stepmother has control of the, whatchamacallit, of the horseman at a certain point. Why is she going through all this like rigmarole through this complicated family tree? Why doesn't she just like go up to the richest person in town and be like, I'm going to kill you with this headless horseman if you don't give me all your money? <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. Well, this, it felt like this was, uh, there's, there's another parallel to this. Have you ever seen there's a Futurama episode where Leela just kills people over and over and over again because they find out about her killing people? And then I there's a Black that. Mirror episode about this. Uh, oh, which one? I think it's called Alligator or Crocodile. It's the one where she kill, they kill the uh, cyclist and then they just keep killing and killing and killing. Oh, how do I not remember that one? I don't know. Check it out later, folks. But my my plan my, my point is it's a it's a used trope. It's like they're just killing and then killing and then killing and killing to keep killing. It's, it's wild. Yeah, the witnesses never end. Okay, so back to the town beating. Now that this movie's crystal clear and we all totally understand it, <laughs> Katrina faints from drawing a pentagram with a purple crayon. Ichabod realizes that Katrina is actually a good witch, and that her mom is the bad witch who controls the horsemen. Because, In fact, be, because there wasn't already enough going on. <laughs> they want to flip right. what you think about this. The only other person that's not affected in the plot yet. In fact, Katrina's mom was actually the blonde child who snapped a stick in the Christopher Walken flashback. I like that. That's a fun I did scene. like that. It was, it was interesting how they did such a good job making you like remember those little blonde girls because the snicks stick snapping with like stuck out in your mind so much great sound effects <laughs> great snick uh stick crack that girl was also just like a savage and pretty thinking quick on her she's like i don't care about you <laughs> ichabod and Mazbeth run rush to a windmill to stop lady van tassel from killing katrina the horseman shows up the windmill burns down and they race to the tree of the dead 
I love that windmill burning down. That looked awesome. Right. The explosion was great, but I don't understand how it would be possible. <laughs> Good question. Did you describe the ridiculous riding chase scene between the windmill and the tree of the dead? I didn't. Do you want to give us a play-by-play? Uh, well, he rode backwards on his horse, which, I, again, I think was straight from the cartoon or an homage to the car- cartoon. Uh, he got dragged... A- about a quarter mile through dirt and leaves and tree branches, which they did as a real scene. Johnny Depp did his real, his actual stunts. He had a release cord in case it got too unsafe. That's pretty impressive to do that on his own. I mean, he fought him with his, his uh, bag of instruments. You know, he, they kind of rolled around the, the top of this cart a little bit. That's, that's pretty much it, you know? It was a pretty good. It was a pretty good chase scene. Was that was that like the the climax of the movie? Would you say would it would be like that scene? Yeah, it's like from the windmill to the wall when it all goes down. Right. <laughs> yeah. from the windmill to the wall. <laughs> okay, so one scene that I forgot to mention here before we get to our thrilling conclusion is the part two of the strange flashbacks where we discover that. Uh, Johnny Depp's mother was tortured by her father in some really freaky machine and that he got the marks on his hands by accidentally putting him down on a torture device. It was wild. It was almost like a different movie, right? It was more of a horror movie. It, it was like, it was a different like plot line. It was a different, much more like, like torture. It just felt different. Like I said again, it was good for its own thing. Like if Tim Burton made like a shorts, like like little shorts, this would be cool for that. Didn't see the need in here. Well, it's also like you said, if they just cut all of those scenes out, it would have saved about 15 minutes. It is interesting. Like those scenes are so violent. Um, the rest of the movie, it's rated R and there's a lot of heads being chopped off, but it never feels super like gory. No, it doesn't cross that line. Okay, so they race to the Tree of the Dead. Ichabod throws the horseman his skull. The horseman turns back into Christopher Walken with fags and bite slash kisses Lady Van Tassel. Exactly. And- <laughs> that was ridiculous. I was somewhat uncomfortable. Like I was watching him regrow and like his spindly hair was just like really uncomfortable. And then, yeah, the kiss bite was... Uh, Kind of how I imagine Christopher Walken actually kissing. <laughs> I had to guess, you know. Anytime, anytime in a movie someone like bites someone else's tongue, that just makes me cringe so hard. I have the my biggest question of the movie uh, is right here. And that is, what? where do they go? Are they, is she dead or is she in like some type of hell in the tree? You're asking a question about the science fiction of it, Jesse, the yes. space-time continuum. Where does yes. that portal lead to? It could the, lead the to sleepy, Narnia. Who, who knows? The Sleepy Hollow universe. Because I, I originally thought, okay, they're going to this realm like that he lives in like the River Styx or something out there, you know, and, upside down. And then I was like, wait a minute. Her hand is caught there. So she's just dangling by the entrance or something. And it's like, well, maybe she's just dead then. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, because that, 
Listen, if her wrist didn't get stuck in there, it would be a nice, tidy explanation of saying whatever you want. Like, you know, oh, it's, it's, it's hell. It's, it's whatever. You know, now that he's got his head and he's complete, he's no longer in purgatory. He's moved exactly. on. But you're right. The hand stuck behind that implies, well, is she stuck just on the other side? <laughs> Did her arm get severed? You know, exactly. It's weird. Yeah, I'd go with option C that like the hand got stuck there but the rest of her passed on to the nether region of monster hell. Vaporized? Like, yeah. do you think, though, that, like, they're in this world where, like, the Headless Horseman is, like, the leader, like, the devil who, like, watches over everything and, like, now I'm going to get my payback on you and you're going to, like, suffer for eternity? Like the mummy. I think it's like I think it's like a monster mash situation. Like, there's, like, a Frankenstein and a bunch of witches down there, and that's, okay. like... There's like human hell and then there's this hell, which is like worse than the regular hell. Right. And now this woman is in there and she can't fend for herself. She's just some backstabbing witch lady. Without one, with only one hand. Yeah. I'd assume she'll get like a hook at some point. Maybe, maybe she'll figure it out. She seems to know how to navigate. Where are you going to get a hook from? You don't know what kind of blacksmiths are down there. You she don't seduces know what you're- a pirate. She just seduces a ghost pirate. <laughs> exactly. That, that makes a lot of sense, actually. <laughs> well, I, I think we figured out what the sequel to this movie yeah. is. <laughs> There's a lot of directions the sequel could, could go in, quite <laughs> frankly. Okay, so yeah, they head inside the tree, unhappily ever after. And then Ichabod and Katrina moved to New York City and possibly adopted Masbeth. The end. And there was color again. It was interesting. The whole yeah. movie was in sepia. Sepia. Yeah. I was psyched. I was psyched to see kind of New York turn of the century. Yeah, it was it was nice. And the green like rolling hills and stuff it was a nice switch up. It was like you could have just started watching The Hobbit and it would have just rolled perfectly. <laughs> exactly. Sorry, The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, <laughs> I could yeah. definitely see some orcs existing in the Sleepy Hollow universe. Oh yeah. I mean, Headless Horseman, I feel like that is out of the Lord of the Rings universe some in somewhere. Yeah, the headless horseman. I mean, he actually, he honestly, and a lot of the scenes reminded me of the Lord of the Rings with ring like, rates. yeah, exactly. It, it really felt ring wraithy. Yeah, they pulled out the characters off really well. So I thought that there were pretty good visual effects in the whole movie. I don't know what you guys thought. I give it two thumbs up. There were some scenes where it didn't age well, right? Like, what about with the witch with her eyes? That, mean, that kind of just seemed like a bit hammy. Agreed. Yeah. 100%. But besides that, like with that pulling off a headless horseman, it totally worked. Just easy, practical. Like, was there any CGI in it? I don't remember the witch's eyes. Oh yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Heavy CGI, and also um, when he's growing his head back at the end. Oh right, right, right. Well, and also his head not there the whole time. They had to edit it out. Or it's a like it could be a costume where there's a guy just. No, it's all on top of him. No. I watched how uh, how they did it. You know, behind the thing. Awesome. So what was it? Did he have like a green mask on him or they just edited it out without that? A blue one, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. Uh, and then they, the, the collar, his collar was CG the entire way through the movie. What do you mean? For every scene that you saw the horseman, because he had a blue hood on, they had to edit a collar up here. It was uh, all CG. They just did it all. Huh. It looked totally I was seamless. I was gonna say that that was that, that's a, like an honorable mention for uh, my favorite character in the in the movie. 
The horseman the or the effects around the horse? Oh, the collar. Oh. Yeah. Oh. All right. So do we want to talk about our uh, favorite scenes in the movie? I don't think yeah. we have to go with three. I th- I, I say let's just jump, jump to the point and we can give out some honorable mentions, but let's just say our favorite scene in the entire film. Honestly, my favorite scene in the entire movie was what Ryan already mentioned where he says, never move the body. Why? Because that, that was it. Because I think those were like the best parts of the movie where they sprinkled in the humor because it was such a dark atmosphere the entire way. And like that scene has him using the, the cool, like weird, uh, you know, specs. And he has the, the box of potions that he does his like cool stuff with. And that was, it was just a fun scene to watch. That's a good one. I will go with my favorite scene of the movie is the house where the midwife gets killed and that family getting taken out up until the Darth Maul style cut in half of Brom. I just thought that was up so crazy. Through. Oh, uh, through. <laughs> All the way through. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I just I thought that. My eyes, I couldn't watch anymore. <laughs> it was so thrilling and like so crazy. And that was like the height of the horror of the horsemen. And that was like what I loved about the movie. He was just like, he's a beast. He is a beast. Oh, I read that um, Johnny Depp, they're going to put the horse down. And Johnny Depp, uh, when he heard about it, decided to adopt the horse. Wow. (laughs) That makes me really like Johnny Depp, despite uh, all the terrible things I hear about his personal life. (laughs) I've heard, though, that he's somewhat vindicated in those those other things. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know. Ryan, what was your favorite uh, scene of the movie? Uh, I would say... The scene where uh, Mr. Masbeth, the father, got killed and beginning with the smoke coming in and extinguishing the flames, the deer running out, just totally setting the stage as a creepy scene. That was a great scene. Him running through the woods, him getting chased down, his head rolling. Shout out to the animals in this movie. Yeah, (laughs) the deer, the sheep, they made reference to like the birds, the insects. Yeah, there's always like a good like flock of animals running from one place to another. Yeah, they used to flock really well. Um, shall we dive into the spiciest meatball of all? The Jar Jar Binks Award for this movie, aka your least favorite scene or character? Jesse? I think I've said it like five times though already. I think it's that, it's like, you can boil it down to that, to that one scene, but it's all those extra scenes, all the extra plot. This like the plot of the movie is the kind of the big swing and a miss. The idea is great, and the execution was pretty great too. It was just the actual story that was just way too convoluted. I, in defense, because I have that as my honorable mention, the reveal scene. In defense, I think that the movie was still good if you could follow that the priest was having the affair and that he was the one that was in on getting the, the horseman to ride and that they were all kind of doing it together because the doctor knew and he was in on it too. Up until the final scene, I was still down with it. Until the final scene, you were down with it? I mean, the, the reveal. When, when the lady uh, Van Tassel, when she, when she finally revealed everything, it was just too rushed. Everything came too fast. I, I don't know. It wasn't good. I agree with you, but I, I think that the movie had more merit for longer than you might be giving it credit for. The conspiracy wasn't as interesting as the horseman, I thought, but like I was still kind of like, ah, it was still pretty clever and like well done at the end of the day. Agreed. What was your Jar Jar Binks? 
Uh, my Jar Jar Binks was, so I'm going to go a little hard here on one of the characters. I'm going to take away from them, not because they were necessarily like the worst thing. Like they weren't like a Jar Jar Binks in the sense that like they were outright bad. It was more just that they didn't add anything to the movie. I'm going on young lad Mazbeth. He's my Jar Jar Binks because I just thought he was a totally neutral entity to the movie. And like all the characters I thought were so interesting, whether it be like um katrina or ichabod or the horseman obviously but Mazbath was just kind of like there and occasionally i would see him do something and be like oh yeah you're still here <laughs> so i'm going i'm going lord Mazbath as my jar jar pigs that's fair and and i gotta tell you i he had one of my favorite jokes in the movie he started off so strong and you're totally right he just fizzled out the whole rest of the movie mine's pretty simple because I, I liked a lot of the movie I thought that there was one very stupid line in the whole movie that just stood out like a sore thumb. And there was like one where they tried too hard. And let me set the stage a little bit because my answer is so brief, I'm gonna pontificate a minute. So that, that haunted house that I told you about, Houston's, mm-hmm. I worked there for three seasons. You were a scare? Oh. Yeah, it was my first job. Wow, Please, I've always wanted more. to do that. What'd you say, what? Andrew? Please tell us more. I feel like this is like a whole podcast in itself. What character well, so, were you? What was it like? Well, we, uh, my my character changed every season. But what I can tell you is there was one constant, which is that kids, mostly machismo boys, between the ages of 10 and 15, who come with a group of their peers that they're trying to impress <laughs> will say things that are just so annoying. Like when you hear them as an employee there, you're just like, give me a break. Like you can break down the employee or the uh, patrons in to a couple categories. And there's a group of annoying middle school kids that just say goofy stuff. And this line felt like that when the lady Van Tassel is like done after she tells them the whole reveal and the horseman is coming at them going in into the windmill, she says, you know, watch your head. And it's like just such a self-effacing joke because they're going to get beheaded and they're going under a short door. And it was just a dumb, heavy handed joke. Watch your head is like something that a fourth grade boy would come up with when he's writing the script for this movie. That's my point. That line I read was actually improv. <laughs> and they decided to keep it in. Wow, that doesn't make sense. Did you guys have a problem with it? It just kind of flew past me. Like, I didn't know. Yeah, it kind of flew past me, too. But isn't it interesting that there's a factoid around that line, then? It really is. Because when I read that, I was like, oh, I don't particularly remember that line. Yeah, that stood out like a sore thumb to me. I'm like, that had no place in this movie. The the movie was pretty serious other than that, like hokey, goofy, yuckety yuck line. It was annoying annoying to anyone that was taking it seriously. (laughs) (laughs) He was breaking down the family tree along with me. (laughs) What are are our thoughts on Lady Van Tassel as a whole? It's interesting that none of us went, went with her as our bigs, yeah. Useless. It's just, it's dragging the story down. It's un- You don't need another bad guy when you have a headless horseman. Well, it does, it does lead to the logical crossover between the, you know, real world and the supernatural. You know what I mean? Like, it does connect the stories. 
but you don't need a connection like that when you're watching Harry Potter. You just, there's just a magical world and it's just there. You don't need that for, you know, Freddy, Freddy Krueger. You just know that he goes into people's dreams. You know, there's no, it doesn't have to be, there's no link. You just accept it. Right. But those movies, except for the first Harry Potter, don't portend to pr- portray real life for any period of the time, the movie, you know what I mean? Or at least a real life where those things don't exist. Like this movie, went, this movie went like the very beginning of Harry Potter. I mean, yeah. The first scene of Sleepy Hollow is the guy, the headless horseman. You don't see that he's headless. You just see people getting killed. No, you see he's headless. You see he's headless, right? No. I thought he rides up behind them. It's hard to remember because I think you do see he's headless in the beginning. The first time I saw it, I actually thought the car driver was the headless horseman. And then later in the movie, I was like, oh, he was decapitated. Yeah. Like, I thought he, he rode up it. and jumped in the seat. No, because the, the, the first time you get, no, no. Because what happens is you hear that there's a commotion. He looks out of the, the thing and he sees that the guy's headless. So he yeah. jumps out and he runs yeah. into the cornfield. And then you just see the corn get beaten down as he comes to attack him. You don't see him for the first time until... Uh, the scene that I mentioned is uh, number one, where uh, the elder Masbeth gets ridden down. That's the first time you see him. That's why I love it. Also, I give a, a huge amount of credit to that old man, whoever he was, in the first scene, who turns around, sees the horseman, and immediately just leaps out of the carriage. Like he is not <laughs> messing around. All right. So, who is your GOF Award winner, aka the greatest of all film, the best character? Uh, side question. How many times do you think Johnny Depp accidentally referred to Katrina as Christina? To, uh, <laughs> a hundred times at least. Every time I go to say her name, I'm like, wait, what is it? Katrina? Yeah. I'd like to see the blooper reel. Are you are you giving us a hint at your answer? Are you going no, with no, 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 no. I was the stalling white witch herself? I was stalling for my answer. I think... My answer would have to be uh, Lord Baltus Van Tassel, Albus Dumbledore himself, Michael Gambon, steals the show. I mean, Johnny Depp gave a worthy performance. There were a lot of good actors in this. Um, Christopher Walken, maybe even, you could say. That's that's not even going near him. Holy smokes. (laughs) All right, but you're going with Dumbledore. Yeah, he was great. I mean, every scene he was in, it was fun to watch. Jesse, would you like to share your uh, Go Forward winner? I'm going with the the actor, the motion actor, whoever played the Headless Horseman. He was scary. Uh, I was totally in. Yeah, you know what? I, I meant to say the CG collar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the Horseman really steals the show, but I'd like to vote with my heart today. I'm giving the greatest of all film to Katrina. What? Usually, I try and usually I try and leave my feelings out of it and go with the one who brought the most to the film, but Katrina the witch is the woman woman of my dreams, and I'm going <laughs> Katrina. <laughs> Why is she the woman of your dreams? Because she's weird and monstery, and she likes to summon spells. It doesn't get any better than that. Did any of her stuff actually work? Do we know? Or was she just like feeding uh, Ichabod a cup full of hot raven's feet? Well, I think she was the reason that the whore, that the headless horseman couldn't enter the church in that scene. No, he couldn't enter the church because he was from hell and it was a church. It was holy ground. She didn't even start drawing until the horseman couldn't come near. Oh, really? Inter- I'll have to, I, I have to rewatch this movie for a lot of reasons. I think she but- drew the, the uh, 
star, the pentagram, but I don't think it did anything. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this. I'll go back to what you were saying, Andrew. You said she was a woman of your dreams because mm-hmm. she makes spells. Mm-hmm. Maybe a hypothetical. If you have a girlfriend and you see her casting spells, are you in or are you out? Oh, I'm in. Hey, you're you're only <laughs> three months into the relationship, two or three months in. It's still new. You're staying in. That's a good I'm question. Out. Now, I'm that, out. now, now that you're fa- letting me face the reality of it, it is difficult because when you don't like know somebody and they're like, "Yeah, I'm a witch," you're like, "I don't exactly. know how seriously you're a witch." Like, are you like the fun witch? There's a spectrum to it. Like, if you're just trying to look at the stars and predict what's going to happen, that's fine. If you're like paranormal activity, like around a table sacrificing a child, like that's no dice. Out. <laughs> out. What if you just see the pentagram that she was drawing in the movie? Did they really do anything though? Like, what were her witch powers? My my point. She was just the only thing she really did was she was attempting to give protection to Johnny Depp and to the church. But did do anything? That's up to the viewer. You're saying that she's magical right now. I don't know if she is magical. Uh, my interpretation was that she was indeed magical and she was protecting the church and she was preventing the horseman from entering Johnny Depp's bedroom. But then why wouldn't she protect other stuff? Like when they were on the wagon at the end. It doesn't work like that. They, yeah. She can't uh, predict the future on a dime. But to answer your question, Jesse, about like being in or out on a witch-human relationship, yes. in, in my yeah. eyes... If I meet her and she can prove some actual magic, like if she yeah. can like make something levitate, oh, I'm in. That's a hundred percent. That's that's the woman of my dreams. Because then she's like making this world magical, even if it takes a turn for the worse. But if she, if if I don't know that she can actually do anything, and she's like, hey, we're gonna go to this weird ceremony, and we're all gonna cut our hands and like pray to Satan, then I'm out. I don't want that like fake dark witchhood. All right, Ryan, would you like to uh, lead us into? Is it better then? I would. I'm going to give you a, a twofer, a two shot. A Johnny Depp two for one special. It's like when you go to Walmart and you buy one DVD and you get the second one for free. <laughs> Is it better than Edward Scissorhands? No. Edward Scissorhands is great. It's a classic. So Edward Scissorhands is definitely a classic. Absolutely delightful. Yes, I think this is better than Edward Scissorhands. Really? (laughs) It's just so entertaining. Like Edward Scissorhands is like a slow, beautiful drama. And that doesn't have like the same amount of rewatch value for me. This you can pop in at any point of the movie and there's going to be a cool Headless Horseman scene coming up. So I'm Team Sleepy Hollow. I will agree with you. I would much rather rewatch Sleepy Hollow than Edward Scissorhands. If I'm just like sitting around, nothing to do. How about yourself, Ryan? 100% is what you said, Andrew. Number two, is this better than Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? I guess you guys haven't seen it. I've seen uh, it. Are you talking the original or the remake with Charlie uh, Depp? That would be that would be Willy Wonka and the cho- Chocolate Factory. <laughs> oh. oh. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever actually sat down and watched the Johnny Depp, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I, I did. I was not a fan. So you like this more than? Yes. Yes. Interesting. Ryan, what's your take? I agree. I, I think it's better than both. Let's uh let's give it some tough some tougher competition. How do we think Sleepy Hollow stacks up to the original Batman movie? Um what year did that come out? 
88, 89. I'll go with Batman for the, the pop value. Yeah, definitely Batman. Yeah, Batman's a cultural phenomenon. It, I mean, Sleepy Hollow, I think, gives it a nice run for its money. Like, it's, like, closer than I think I would imagine. Just because I'm not, like, popping on that old Batman and watching it every day. But I can't go against that Batman. It's definitely classic. You are, however, putting on Sleepy Hollow every day. <laughs> yeah, I will be from now on until I gain your knowledge and understand what happened <laughs> in that movie. <laughs> Jesse, did you have a... Is it better than or is that not how it works? I'm sorry. All right. Is it better than Mr. Glass? <laughs> what? <laughs> Mr. Glass. What a wild comparison. I don't know this movie you're referring to. It's the, the third one of Unbreakable, or the second. No, no, it's you know, oh. the, it was Unbreakable, and then whatever Split? the other one came out. Split, and then they both had the sequel together with Samuel L. Jackson. And my yes, yeah, I movie. think Sleepy Hollow is better than Mr. Glass. It's called Mr. Glass, right? Yeah. Uh, no, it's called Glass. Is it just called Glass? Yeah. Okay. Andrew's like, oh, Glass. I, I, why did you just call it that? I still wouldn't have. I would not have picked up like you saying it now i understand what movie you're talking about but i would have known glass all right all right, all right, all right. i'll think of another one <laughs> <laughs> what the incredibles the- better than the incredible <laughs> is sleepy hollow better than <laughs> the indian in the cupboard <laughs> yes oh, way better i'll go i'll think of one for next time I think it edges out Indian in the cupboard slightly. <laughs> How wait, would Indian in the cupboard get canceled in 2020? Do they need to retitle yeah, that movie? It's not flying. I don't know. It, it, never mind. Uh, I got a couple of horse facts for you. Please. For when Walken was on the horse for close-up shots, they used a decades-old horse puppet that they had repurposed and updated. And finally, it took them three months to tra- uh, train the horses for this movie. Huh. I usually go uh, horse first in my research. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for joining me today. It was delightful to talk Sleepy Hollow with you. Just a gem of a movie. So wait, do we agree? Is it good? Oh yeah, we haven't done the big reveal yet. Andrew. Is Sleepy Hollow a good movie? Absolutely. It's a, it's a dynamite movie. Eight out of 10, two thumbs up. Great Halloween movie. I think I think it's good for kids, too. It's not that bloody. Um, just a beautiful film about a detective. Oh, we didn't even talk about sequels, either. We're going to jump into that right after this. <laughs> oh, wait, we're just beginning the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's a good movie for me. How about you, Jesse? Whoa. Jesse just Jesse just dramatically tilted his thumb down. For those <laughs> oh, yeah. of you listening, <laughs> I I I give it a, like a six point five out of ten. It's just the story. It's a story that I don't like. Besides that, I like watching it. I, so it's really close. Maybe I'll give it like a six point eight out of ten, almost seven. It's there, except for it just loses me in those twenty minutes and makes me just feel like this isn't what I wanted. It just end. It didn't end where I wanted it to end. And it just, it was, it was not the most satisfying ending that it, it, I feel like it easily could have had. Give it some time. I think you'll come around (laughs) on this one. (laughs) And then give it some more time. And then maybe finally you'll understand what actually happens in the movie. (laughs) Yeah, that'll help maybe. Give it at least three, let it 
pass through. Give it at least 30 years. Yeah. Give it through three decades, I was thinking. I actually agree with a lot of what both of you said. Jesse, it's a very fair point that the movie, the, the ending of it doesn't really tie it up well. But I'm telling you, the, the 70% before that is so good that I think it carries it to at least a seven and a half, if not 7.8 out of 10. I think it's great, just like you said, Andrew, except for the fact that I would not show it to a five-year-old child or an eight-year-old child, maybe even a 10-year-old child, I would have hesitancy <laughs> about showing it to. Uh, but do what you want, man, as a parent. <laughs> <laughs> so sequels or spinoffs, do we have any ideas? Do, you, do we think this movie should have had a sequel or spinoff? I thought of a sequel. And I thought of one because it was inspired by you, Andrew, and you said that you would love to date a girl who conjures spells. So this sequel takes place in present day, call it 2018. And um, she lives in Sleepy Hollow, New York, and she just does spells. And she, she's like eight years old. And she magically learns and unleashes the Headless Horseman again and Christopher Walken. And he comes to be, to her, to be her, to do her beckoning. And she's just this cute little girl who's, gonna, who's teaching him how to be a nice Headless Horseman from now on and to get by in the world and to get him a job and to be her best friend throughout her entire life. Tinges of Mrs. Doubtfire or something? Could there be something? Call it the Hopeless Horseman. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Love it. Andrew? So I have two directions I'd like to go with, with the sequel. Obviously, this movie should have had a sequel. It's fantastic. Um, although the first one does, this one does wrap up really nicely, but I'm always a fan of milking it for everything it's worth. In sequel A, we kind of ditch the Headless Horseman aspect and we make Ichabod and Katrina like this duo, kind of like in The Conjuring, how you take those two and then you put them in their own sequels and like spinoffs. So I'm saying like Ichabod and Katrina, they're living their life in New York and they get a call to go investigate like some crazy witch things happening up in Salem, Massachusetts. Cause they're like a good team. You have the crazy witch girl who could be getting more powerful. You have Johnny Depp. Who's like the science guy. And then you find some reason for Mazbeth to not be in the movie. <laughs> so that's my first sequel. And then I have a really fun other one that does involve the headless horseman. It's a homage to Friday, the 13th part eight. I want to say Jason takes Manhattan. Maybe that's part seven. Um, so there's a Friday the 13th, Jason. Yeah, sorry. Um, so there's a Friday the 13th movie, Jason Takes Manhattan, that really doesn't live up to its name, where Jason eventually comes to Manhattan, but for most of the movie, he is not attacking anybody in Manhattan, and I've always been very disappointed at <laughs> <in> that. <laughs> so I want to see Fiery Headless Horseman breaks out of his monster prison, and he attacks New York at the turn of the century and he's just wreaking havoc on new york city and it's up to ichabod and katrina to put a stop to it i'm in for that would that be like a van helsing type movie then where they're like going after him yeah 100 percent. it'd be like a straight crazy monster hunt and a little bit of like a a murder yeah i don't know if it'd be a monster hunt or if it would be a horror movie yeah i think it would definitely have serious slasher vibes I think this movie, this movie even sometimes verges on that without getting into it too heavily. Sure. 
Well, you just gave me one spinoff idea. It's a TV show. It's called, it's the uh, original. It's Ichabod Crane, the science guy. Uh, or even if you want to, just shorten it and call it Johnny Depp, the science guy, uh, where he does, you know, all kinds of spells and potions from, from the period. That's the best I got. I got nothing, nothing better than that. <laughs> I'd watch that any day. Anytime he has like a weird science device, I'm so fascinated by this movie. Right. He has good devices. Hey, actually, I do have one more question. Who I, I meant to ask this earlier when we were talking about Katrina. Who had better uh, artistic abilities? Her with her sketching with the chalk or him with his little love doodles? Do you remember his little love doodles <laughs> yeah. all through his notebook? He's like a seventh grader. I was impressed with his handwriting. I like the handwriting scenes with the calligraphy. He's an artist, too. He has nice little sketches. Uh, but yeah, I loved it. Also, we never mentioned the fact that this was also a TV show they adapted on Fox in 2014 called Sleepy Hollow really? that aired for like four seasons. It was like really? a modern day. I never watched it. It was like a modern day detective supernatural mystery show. Sleepy Hollow. Like a monster of the week. I don't know. I, yeah, I think there was like a lot of weird stuff happening in Sleepy Hollow and there's like a couple of detectives trying to get to the bottom of it. It felt like just from the commercials, it looked kind of like gritty and like a realistic take on it. It felt like me watching the first three seasons of it that it was kind of like <laughs> the movie. I was just going to make a Dexter reference, but it's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> totally not worth it. Wait, which reference? <laughs> that I only watched the first four seasons of that because I heard the rest of it was just garbage. No, yeah, it went downhill. What? Yeah. Dexter was great. The first four, however, whenever they reached that season with, with John Lithgow, that was like the pinnacle of Dexter for me. Yeah, but they picked it up again. <laughs> it wasn't done after that. Are you also a season seven Entourage fan? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it from start to finish. Me too, but you didn't get my Bob reference earlier. I know. I, I did realize he looked familiar, but I still don't know who he is in Entourage. All right. But anyway, thank you guys so much for joining me today. I'm so happy that we got to take a closer look at Sleepy Hollow. I'm trying to think, is there a good line from this movie to go out on? But I can't think of any quotable lines. Watch your head. Oh, <laughs> no. Get out of here. <laughs>